Well, welcome back to Insufferable Know-It-Alls. I am your host, as always, Jace, with my co-host. Hey. Uh, the, what we're covering today is... Well, you know what? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Like, I'm actually pretty excited about today's episode. Because <laughs> I mean, without run, jumping into it, I, I did really like this movie. So, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, this is a really good experience. What we're covering is a movie called Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name is Luca Guadagnino's 2017 movie about two young men form a relationship over the course of a summer in northern Italy. I really don't want to say much about the movie just yet, other than I do recommend watching it potentially before you listen to our conversation about it, because it might uh, delve into some spoilers. It hit Sundance first, right? I think it, yes. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I think it premiered at Sundance. Okay. Uh, I know it was an independent one. Uh, I know right out the gate people were pretty excited about it from everything I keep reading now. Uh, <laughs> but I actually didn't I, – I didn't know what this was until you told me about it, though. Like, I had – I didn't really – if I'd heard it, it just went right over my radar. I really only I, – I didn't watch it when it came out. I, I literally only watched it the past two weeks. Or not less than that, maybe. Was it a week ago or two weeks ago that I told you about it? A week ago. And it was obviously wasn't hidden under my radar. It's just like, I don't, you know that I'm weird. And I usually only watch movies that'll help inspire me to. Fucking understatement if I've ever heard of one. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) So I was, I'm in the mood to write a very particular story right now. And I had chosen this movie because I was like, oh, it's like a coming-of-age story. It got a lot of kind of accolades and praise. I was like, all right, oh, this might be something that's important. So I watched it, and I got entirely inspired for a different story altogether. And I, it's weird to say this. Like, it's very rare for me to have this powerful reaction to a movie and I'm guessing what I'm experiencing is what everybody who had seen it when it came out was experiencing. But it, it's just one of those things that I came in with no expectations and fucking blew, blew me out of the water. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> me and you were talking about it slightly, and I was just like, yeah, like it's, I have a lot to say about it, but mostly just because it was inspiring me so much. And I, I, was I just mean, surprised. I want our audience to know, like, in between us recording this, we're still calling each other for hours to discuss the things we just watched. So we we've had we've had these conversations about this film, what, what it's done to both of us. Uh, straight out the gate, I I'm sure I'm guessing you do recommend it. I uh, yeah, I love this movie. Like the last time I could say that I, I almost loved a movie, might have been Burning, uh, which was also a very obviously it, it was pretty well known, but I, I was late late to that party. Mm-hmm. This this podcast should be called Late to the Party. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I that movie fucking wowed me. Obviously, me and you talked about that at nauseum, and we'll probably do a podcast on it sometime in the future too, but it, it it's very rare for a movie to kind of have this effect on me. And especially, it, it's hard to find a movie with this kind of honesty 
and I know this, we're probably going to get into more of like maybe where we find points of interest, but that we might differ on. For, for me, there's like a lot of sensual sexuality and, and honesty and, and love. <laughs> there, there was a part in the movie where I was like, this movie's fucking sexy. And I didn't me mean it in any kind of derogatory or demeaning way. I meant that in the most endearing way possible. For, for, to put this into perspective, one of my favorite movies is Shame, uh, Steve McQueen's film, not the, uh, the old uh, Bergman film. It's obviously something that speaks to my taste, uh, something about that, the sexuality presented in, in these movies. Just, I, I don't want to be too revealing, but it, 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 it speaks to me in ways that it's hard to find this type of expression outside of oneself. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I hold on to experiences like that, and I do cherish them, and I love them also because they inspire me. Long story short, yes, I recommend this movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would too. This is, I, I think this movie is definitely a slow burn. So, I mean, I know you a lot of people, shit. <laughs> I know a lot of people aren't necessarily into certain movies like that, but give this movie a chance. And I, I guarantee that the story it tells is, is definitely captivating. So, I mean, without further ado, uh, from this moment forward, spoilers. So for me, the scenes you're talking about they weren't uncomfortable to see and, and you're right there there's a certain honesty to them it's interesting what i read about the original writer and his original idea that he was collaborating on was to discuss like having more male nudity and more uh, sexuality in this instead of just panning to the trees and so I think it's interesting that the originals had the idea of like being even more honest than what we saw I don't know if I feel like showing equals more honesty. We'll use hostile as an example. Honesty, I don't think, is derived from just having something shown in your face with the brutality that's shown in that movie. Maybe it's because me and you do have a stronger imagination than, than a more broad audience might. I don't want to sound like pretentious assholes, which I know mm -hmm. I do probably <laughs> in saying that, but... Our imaginations can fill in the gaps, and it's a lot more powerful experience without having it be shown. So I, I don't think of that as any kind of negative. Well, the um, way the director says it is that uh, explicit nudity was something that wasn't really relevant to his vision. And I think his actual quote was absolutely irrelevant uh, into the story he's trying to tell, which... Again, there, we talked about uh, Blue is the Warmest Color today also, and it's the difference between a fine line of how tasteful you want to go versus at a certain point, is this just pornography? And I think that both of these films that we discussed today were telling their own stories, but I think a part of their vision was try to capture something that was very real uh, in terms of... Uh, of I don't want to say romance, but passion, basically. And both of them captured passion in two different ways. And for what I saw here, I don't need to see full penetration to understand that there is something intense between both the characters. Even with, uh, even if I had a, a smaller imagination, it wouldn't be necessary. Well, there is also something I want to maybe slightly uh, define what, what, what my intention with the words that I used were, where 
the, and I'll use an, a scene from Shame as an example. One of the most raw and intimate and honest scenes in that movie is when he's looking at that woman on the subway. The intimacy there and the, the, the vulnerability is palpable. And I'm not exaggerating. To me, that fucking, that the, the range of emotions that I feel in that moment, and it might be because of certain things <laughs> that we won't <laughs> talk about, but it, it's, there was just this raw honesty that mm-hmm. it was like somebody speaking to you in a language that you didn't know that you could speak. And you're so glad that you're not alone. It's it's a weird thing to describe, but that's the vulnerability and honesty and the sexuality that I saw in this movie too, where the the way that they interact with each other, and, and I well here's here's I'll use this as an example, and I do apologize for jumping all over the place. Uh, this was a great movie, and I'm pretty excited to talk about it. the The scene that I I told you about uh, before we started this conversation here well, that. I got reeled in on like where I was just like this movie is doing something and speaking me to me in a language that I, I it's just hard to find in cinema where they were dancing it, that that dancing mm-hmm. transition when he's like dancing by himself and, and you just feel I felt like it, the character was allowed to be himself for the first time but also like the the really intelligent choice of song I think like that song speaks sex to me. It, it's this movie was the equivalent of listening to like Strange Love by Depeche Mode. Like you listen to that and the first thing you're thinking of is yeah. fucking. Clearly that probably says more about me than the movie, but it, this movie made me feel that way. And that scene right there alone just caught me. Like I I knew that this director knew exactly what the fuck he was doing. I I'm not saying he was telling mm-hmm. everybody like think fuck, but and that might be my own personal connection to the material. But in that scene, I saw just this, the, the, the openness of that character. I almost felt like through his performance that he was finally fucking free and able to be himself. And as we slowly go through the story, yeah. you kind of realize like that is the case where he's actually allowed to be who Oliver really is. When he goes back home, he has to be constrained and restricted again because of well, fucking shitty society and shit and fucked up family. Mm-hmm. That, that That's what I mean when I when I talk about the sexuality. I, I don't necessarily mean the, the scenes where they might be making love or anything like that. I, well, I guess what was your... When I told you to watch it, did you go in there thinking like, oh, Joey's... Another one of Joey's fucked up no, movies I, I or actually, something? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> not to disappoint you, but I actually hold your uh, your taste in movies with pretty high oh, esteem, you. as you should. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's also why when something doesn't scratch the itch I'm looking for, it's why I'm probably more disappointed. Is because I'm expecting more from you. Um, we'll get into the eel another day. Oh, it's fuck you. it's just not. <laughs> it's not. It's just. It's not what I was wanting. You, you, um, I like eel better than I like shame. I know. Surprise. I know you do. Like, <laughs> but I also think you 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 have a thing for the Asian uh, culture, and it makes you appreciate it higher than you would if it was a Western film. Um. I think you're just racist in saying that because my wife's Asian, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> um, well, can I ask you something? That, but, oh, kind of. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit Go about ahead. this. You, you said that you didn't feel 
well, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that, I'll just say I watched this and I and I could feel this arousal once again. That's just hard to. It, it's from the the fucking pure intimacy in it, that these characters share, and, and I don't know if that's something that was just me because of my sensibilities, or were you able to kind of feel that as well? Not for me. I didn't feel like an arousal. I, what I felt was almost. Uh, there's another term for it. And it's lost. It's called hard erection. It's, That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> uh, imagine that you snuck into your buddy's house because you're playing a surprise party, and then you, while you're while while you're hiding in there, he walked into the one of the rooms and you hid in the closet, and then he started addressing. And it's like, oh shoot, you can't just you know what I mean. It's like you're 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 imposing upon someone else's privacy, mm-hmm. and I think for me. It doesn't make me feel aroused. It makes me feel almost kind of like this. I don't have a business being here, <laughs> or and that that level of there's well, a name for you're it. You're just a regular shame. Jeffrey Beaumont at that case. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not like it's not a shame. It's it's more of of it makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm I feel like I'm intruding in a private moment. Mm-hmm. But that is good that a film was able to do that to me. That's not very often where I feel, again, the characters really put their, the actors put everything into these characters. They really brought them to life for me because it came off that legit. And I really, again, I, I can't rave about it enough. You, you know what's, you know what's <laughs> um, funny? So The, the reason ahead. that I, I actually was interested in watching this, outside of the fact that I was looking for kind of like coming of age movies to watch that I might have not seen before, was it? About uh, probably at this point, two months ago, I had watched uh, Merry Christmas, uh, Mr. Lawrence, and the soundtrack for that movie, and, and also it's starring Ryuichi Sakamoto. And for those who don't know, he's a pretty famous composer out of Japan, um, very influential musician all around over there, especially for uh, electronic music. But he did some music for this. Oh, I, I was listening to some of his music, and I listened to one of the songs, and it's like, I wonder what this movie's like. Because I, I have a lot of admiration for him as a musician, and the choices he does for soundtracks is pretty compelling. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a try. It, it's perfect timing because I'm writing Vanderpool, and, and I want to see if this movie's any good like people say it is. And I, I still can't stress the shock that I received and how the experience that I had with this was not what I expected. And it's not because I expected it to be kind of a trope film where, where it just like hits mm-hmm. all the marks for uh, a romantic coming-of-age story of some sort. I, I don't think I expected the amount of honesty. And I, I know it's kind of hard to define what I mean by saying that, but I think people who see it and feel it, they know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Piggybacking on what you just said, uh, the music of this film was great. It really was. The The very end of this film, that song they play while he's staring into the fire is, it, that really does help pull that emotion more. Uh, and it's, it's expressed so perfectly. It really does capture that, that feeling of loss and also the joy of, of like knowing how, that it meant something to you it's one of those types of moments that you could see a filmmaker trying to do that and, and just executing it in the most like what i was kind of saying before or like the tropish kind of cliche way of 
forcing emotions out of you through song, but it doesn't play that way at all. Yeah, and, and, and it's for an actor to sit there and be able, because what he's conveying isn't just sadness. Like I said, it's a twist of like sadness, of despair, of joy, of of loss. Like there's a lot that's being conveyed there. And maybe I'm projecting more uh, from what I'm actually seeing, but I saw all those emotions being conveyed all at the same time. And I thought this was a beautiful way to really express our first like truly passionate love we had in our lives, you know, something that, that made you want to break boundaries and made you want to just go nuts and do stupid, stupid shit. It's, the funny thing <laughs> is it, it, like I couldn't, for, for the story that I'm writing now, I couldn't have picked a better fucking movie. Um, but for my personal experience while I was watching this is and much like I think a lot of people are supposed to do too in a lot of films, but you're not just seeing the story unfold to you. There's a level of you that you're trying to project onto the characters that you're following. And I couldn't help but think of some of the things that I went through as a kid, whatever I thought I was deeply loved. And again, I made a lot of very stupid decisions all for this idea because everything else in my entire being couldn't tell me that it wasn't real. And it was, to me at the time, you know, the only thing that was that was of matter, of importance. And I feel like in this movie, we have two characters that are in two completely different places in uh, their growth. Uh, Elio, who's 17 in the movie, correct? Yes. And we have Oliver, who's 24. I think or he's at least supposed to be 24 he looks like he's a 35 year old man <laughs> um, but yeah he's supposed to be 24 but you're watching two people in two different places of their life fall into this um, into this affection for one another and one of them starts to fall heavy into it while the other one starts to regret also the damage he's going to do to this kid and We've talked about this earlier, but like, I mean, for me at least, there it's almost like I'm not rooting for him. I'm kind of against the guy because he's. You find out in the film he's got a girl at home, um, and he's getting married to her. Well, if you could see my <laughs> face, I'm just, I'm disappointed, but I'm not angry. <laughs> because I, uh, I, and I it's, wholeheartedly it's, disagree. Uh, but it, it, and and I think that he's able to keep per- he he's able to convince himself to keep going with this relationship with this person, even though he knows it's going to cause him pain. And I think it's out of selfishness I, that he's doing this. I I, I wouldn't word it that way. And it, it, I, I I just before I continue, you're aware that like he he wasn't there for more than six weeks, and, and he never made any intention that he was coming back. Or at least within the film. <laughs> I don't know about the book. Sure. But he also did it. He also did it. Tell him, hey, I'm married or hey, but, well, he treated this what like I'm a trying vacation, to say like is said. neither one of them had the expectation that this relationship was going to go on like in, in a long distance sense. Like the, the reason why Elio fell apart afterwards is because he knew it was over. He doesn't want it to be. No, nobody would yeah. want it to be, but it's not because of any kind of ill will or just selfish desire to like get his fuck on before he has to go back home. But that's the thing; it's like he did come on to him. He says in the film, yeah, like, "No, no, no," but he it's purposely not for that. His back. I don't think 
it's for the purpose of just a quick lay or anything like that. I, I think there's a tenderness and an emotion that's being sought after. Like, he, he arguably could have gone to, uh, well, I can't speak to what Northern Italy might have had in 1983, but I, I wouldn't be surprised that there was some kind of outlet that he could have went to that he could have had acted out these desires elsewhere. And a part of me at one point in the movie, I thought that that might have been what he was doing. I'm glad they didn't do that because I feel like that would have been the more cliche route. Yeah, it would have been easy to go that Not to say that I have a direct reference for why it's cliche. I just feel like that wouldn't have been the appropriate thing for that character, given what he kind of ended up being. See, yeah, for me, it's the idea that when I see this movie, a part of me, and I, I didn't stick with this, but a big part of me looked at it like, it's an adult praying and grooming a teenager. No, no. no. I I, again, that that's a part of me did. No. <laughs> a part of me felt that way. Now, I don't think that's ultimately what the movie is trying to convey, uh, but it's still, I, I think there's a responsibility that feels like it's shirked. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, you're, you're, like, here's the thing. I don't like, think I, it, I'm like saying, I said, I can't I, sp- say that what you feel is wrong. Like, that, that's stupid of me to try to even push on you. But what I, what I would say is, for one, to kind of finish my point earlier, I, I don't think it was like, uh, like I, I need to fuck something while I'm here because when I go back home, I'm not going to be able to kind of be myself. He, he found somebody he can share this with, and I, I just can't speak to what it's like being a homosexual in 1983, sadly, because I don't know what that feels like what what are the cues or like that's the thing that we talked about when we were on the phone before this conversation it's like i can't say why or why it would be wrong for him to kind of act that way when they were playing volleyball it's only like five fucking seconds really like it's not i i'm not trying to say that it wouldn't be harassment in any way but it's not like it's I feel like your description of it blows it a little more out of proportion than it actually was. Even within the scene, he was he was probably uncomfortable, like anybody would be. But I don't think he felt assaulted. But I can't speak to that because I don't know, I don't know the rules of 1983 communication with people who are are not able to communicate freely. You know what I mean? Like I can't say what is right and wrong for that group. But like I said, the the big the big problem I, that I've had a hard time getting past is only a cultural thing, which I know it's different where they film this. It's the age of consent probably much different. Somebody Elio's age might be considered a full adult at, at that area. I, but from where I looked at it, it just felt like it was a much, a much older man uh, preying upon a younger person. But I also didn't realize... I thought he was much older than 24. At least he appeared that way to me. He appeared to me like closer to his 30s. I'll tell you real quick, though, like what I read into that is how I would have been at 17. And I wouldn't have given two fucks that, that <laughs> love and affection they shared. It, it wasn't because he was older. It was because of who he was. It, it was because he was special. Yeah, I, but it. but that's the thing. It's like, like I've pointed out, it's not because this is this movie did something bad. It's because there's a cultural kind of shell that I'm stuck into that it's hard to like look past. That is a kind of age of consent. And I'll just I'll say this just for the sake. Where did you grow up? Texas. <laughs> the age of consent in Texas is how old? 
17, but uh, like I said before, if somebody under 21 was hitting on me right now, I would tell, still tell them, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. I'm not interested. We have nothing in common. Like, you're <laughs> more than a decade younger than me. I mean, uh, a spent, couple years, spent, sorry. Let's say you spent two weeks together and you found out you had a lot of common and they love Silent Hill and, and David Lynch is their fucking jam. Like, I would be their friend, but I wouldn't be interested in pursuing them, like, romantically. Like, it's, I just, I just know better. Like, I know how, not just I, I was at that age, but I know how people are at that age. It's, it's just, it, at least where we grew up. Now, in different countries, like the country you're seeing in the movie, I mean, it clearly feels like they're more adults at their age group than what we have here. Mm, I, I don't know. I like this most. This is probably just going to be one of those agree to disagree moments. I mean, you don't you you do, I mean, but you you felt that way in this, right? If you look at Elio's character, you wouldn't say he he behaved like a typical seventeen year old kid that you knew in high school. I his behavior seemed suitable for his uh, maturity. Like, it, it seemed like somebody in that phase in life that was trying to act like they were not a kid anymore. And, and 17 is the appropriate age for that behavior. Like, I, I think even 16 is when you're, you're like, me, me and you did stupid shit when we were 16. Yeah. That is not shit kids should do. This kid was, like, on point with his, having a much more stronger understanding of wh where he was in his life even with the the situation surrounding him, it seemed, well, he like I said, he seemed way more. He just seemed way more mature, and I think it is because of the culture that you know we were raised in. Like at his age, he is like composing music. He's like studying music theory. He's going through like when you hear him play the piano, it's not just him playing the piano. It's him dissecting it and putting it and rearranging it how other people might have done it with their slight differences. And it's like, man, I, I haven't seen people do that until they get into college level stuff where it's like, oh, that's an interesting thing. But at 17, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around anybody that was that, you know, talented. But also for me, due to certain circumstances, I, I, I developed a dreadful uh, codependency problem <laughs> that, that still exists to this day. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he, he didn't seem to be restricted by that, yeah. and that's what I also appreciate. Like, this movie wasn't about the, the romantic codependency where, like, I can't live without yeah. you. Thank God they didn't. Do that. Like I love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like their up. exercise of restraint. But what? Here's a question I have. Here's a question I have for you. Whenever Elio is confronted by the girl that he's sleeping with, or that he's messing around with, and she asks him, "Am I your girlfriend?" and he just kind of shrugs. That was that was a very hurtful thing he did, right? He. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Like I felt yeah, sorry I, for and, her because, it, it, and I think she was. She was intelligent. She was aware, I think, of what was happening, and she tried to avoid it, I think. I also think that it might be in turn of how this other guy you know, hurt him, and at the same time, he might have looked back upon how he hurt her, and that made him like feel even more necessary whenever he does talk to her at the end of the movie, where he wants to be friends, and he wants to, like, forever, let's, you know... Maybe in a way, it's him trying to like consult himself. Um, no, 
I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, like I I don't know if I can potentially read into that without it. It's being pure conjecture. Of course, it's pure conjecture. <laughs> like I I, th- I don't think he had Ill, Ill intent. You don't. At a certain point, he he was sleeping with both of them. I, I don't think the intention was to hurt her. Is what I mean to say. I I think he at, when he's hand doing asking for friendship at the very mm-hmm. end. I think it's it's his way of trying to say sorry. I I think so too. But I think in a way, it's how he would. It's how he wants to feel from what Oliver, you know, hurt him with. He wants, he wants Oliver to be able to do that, too. And this, is, of course, this is fucking conjecture. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't say you're wrong, but I don't know if that's what I would read. Um, of course not. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, look, we could talk all day about this. So let's hit more of the key points. Did they even say they loved each other at all in this movie? I don't think they had. Yeah, no, that's what I'm pointing out, though. It's like, film is a visual medium. Of course, the sound is important because it is building uh, this picture for you to see, experience, feel, hear. But how often do you get to see a movie that's able to tell you a love story without the characters actually expressing the need to say, I love you? It, it shows doesn't tell it's fucking incredible like the the the, the performance are so understated in the perfect way mm-hmm. we talked about the the apricot scene a little bit and in that scene like this the switch in the behavior that oliver has when he re- kind of recognizes the danger but also the the switch that elio has that reveals his feelings of shame and embarrassment like i i had moments like that as a kid where i'm just like i'm doing something that we all did i shouldn't feel this bad about <laughs> we, we all, and i yeah. feel like i'm the worst fucking human being in the world i think it's our i'm not gonna say what this is <laughs> i think it's our catholic uh backgrounds <laughs> I, maybe uh, no it, I, I know I, it is I, obviously i have a fucked up history and i i i, I think I, we're not going to talk about no that. no no but i i think that that's why we felt ashamed and i think in the same we felt ashamed because we were taught to feel bad about certain things which it, obviously that's what i reflect in shame a lot right too. right but it, it is well, like, let but me it's, finish it's, my point it's hard to find a movie that re- just shines a light on well, that let me finish my and point to me, before i you think keep there's going. so much value there and i'm not gonna <laughs> let you finish your point i'm just gonna keep talking over you while you're gonna try to finish your cool. point and i was wondering <laughs> the, like the scenery there was incredible too you know yeah all right i'll, I'll let you finish <laughs> Um, I I think the idea though that we were raised with these ideas of like don't do these things because these things are bad things, but you but these things are good things, and it's this weird idea behind what's morally right or wrong when some of it is, but some of it is just like no, you just you don't need to do that. And I think in this movie, the character is raised in a society in a society that looks upon the acts that he's doing as wrong, and that's why he's not hes not just ashamed about what he did to that peach, but he's, uh, he's ashamed of how he feels, what this guy is doing to him. It, it, he, when he says that, it's such a real line where it's like, you know, what are you doing to me? And it's like, he, a part of him is ashamed because his, his society, his rules, would look down on this kind of behavior. Right. And, and I think he, it, he kind of reflects on that too earlier yeah. on when they're they have their first kiss. Yeah, and he's like, "We haven't done anything bad yet," and, and just having to phrase it in that way it just makes you feel like he's used to having to look at it through that lens. 
Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's it's heartbreaking. And these un, these uh, what would you call, would you call it an unrequited love story or or part, oh, no. What, no what was I would say the, what's the, the, the name what's the name I'm thinking of like a forbidden a forbidden fruit kind of love story where it's like we're watching two people that are kind of against everything to be together and it's like when you compare it to other movies that do this kind of story I mean I'll point out the parody of this in uh, Tropic Thunder the fake movie. Uh, Satan's Alley with uh, Robert De Niro, <laughs> with Robert uh, Downey Jr. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's but that is what the Americanized version of this story would be. It would be a, a watered down version of this where it's just like society tells you you can't be together. Isn't that romantic? This one doesn't paint it in that kind of light. It really does thank show God. it. Fucking thank God. Yeah, right? It, it, it's, right? And that's that what makes suck. it, I think, so good is that it's telling such a different story but more real and way more human. God, it's unpretentious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what fucking shocked huh. me? It, like, do you know how much this movie costs to make? Six million. No, no, no. In between three and four. No way. It, it was like three and uh. a half, I think. This movie is does not look like it was made for that no. much. Like, if you, if you gave that budget to a fucking filmmaker, like, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be too derogatory about Western filmmakers right now, but yeah, it, it'll just look like fucking garbage. So, gonna, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think you're going to have anything negative to say about this movie, right? There's no bad for you. I, I can't think of anything. I think the only thing I might be able to point out that is that there was two things that are kind of potentially fourth wall breaking. One of them is the kind of uh, film stock effect and also the negative effect that they have at one point at the end of the film where I, I didn't, maybe call me stupid I, I i didn't read into it because like i my only assumption is it's talking about film so may, maybe it's a commentary on that in some respect mm -hmm. but I, I was so involved and engaged by the experience as a whole that it, it was negligible like it, it didn't take me out in a way that i was just like that makes no sense and i know you kind of had an issue with the two moments where the music behaved in a way that seemed odd or, or just and it distracted you and I think earlier in the film, I didn't really care for it, and I didn't really notice it in the later parts of the film, or if I did, it, I felt like it flowed better with it. I think there's only two obvious parts, and, and we, we talked about it, where like there's a direct cut and the music stops, but there's also one prior to that, I believe, where the music fades in for like four seconds, and then it disappears for quite some time before returning again. The only bad thing I'll say, and I think you might agree with me on this, is that they're aiming to make a sequel. Uh, that, well, I don't know, it, man. I have mixed feelings. Yeah. It's the same. It's a, it's all the same actors. Um, the director's coming back and he, he said it's, he, it's in works. So they're getting there before COVID hit, they were trying to like pull everything together in March and then it kind of delayed everything because of that. I've only seen two Luca Guadagnino films. Suspiria I actually saw before this and Suspiria, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some yeah. point. I, I fucking love that. That might be the next one we talk about. <laughs> but uh, he hasn't disappointed me yet. And, and I do look uh, forward to going into through his back catalog and, and seeing what else there is to experience. But I would be nervous about that approach of a sequel because like, I, I'm content with, with <laughs> that's, Elio's that's, journey. I know. that I felt, I felt the same way because the more I read it, at first it when I was reading about it, it was telling the, no, the director himself was in a interview telling 
people that he found himself at uh, a creative uh, corner where he could see how these characters could keep growing and keep developing after the movie's over, and that kind of inspired him to want to keep writing uh, a sequel. So, again, I don't really need one. I'm pretty happy with what this is. I feel like anything more would just be giving it too much, and I, I appreciate what this is on its own. I don't need to. I don't need a sequel to continue this journey. Like it's, I, maybe it's because I personally related a lot to the main character and what his journey was. Where it's like, okay, well, I know what happens next because I've been through this. <laughs> I, I just don't know what that journey would be. You know, yeah. Like the the like in my mind, I'm thinking of the story that I'm writing, and I'm just thinking like. I feel like in a weird way that would be Elio's journey. I really don't want a sequel. I don't need to see what happens next. Like my imagination can run wild. And you know boy, what I would love it. for him to do? I would love for Luca to make the next two movies in the uh, Three Mothers trilogy for Suspiria <laughs> more than anything. Comparatively, like they're they're weaker than the Suspiria, and I think given what I've seen, he's capable of. I think he could make something wholly original and something that's fucking incredibly compelling. Just because we have to bring Silent Hill into every conversation, <laughs> Suspiria is a good Silent Hill movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, we might be doing that next, actually. Uh, do you have any closing remarks to make? It probably sounds like I'm kind of stammering and ranting and rambling at certain points throughout this conversation. It's because it, it's rare for me to have so much feelings come from watching a film it's it's not impossible it's not like i'm closed off in any way that doesn't allow me to feel something whenever i watch something it's actually the extreme opposite of that but this movie provoked so many feelings and so many moments throughout the experience just made me feel i i don't know it, it made me feel something <laughs> It, like, I, I shouldn't have to really have to define the feeling itself, but it made me feel something. And, and I do want to say that that's, that's the most, uh, as me trying to be a filmmaker too, or an artist, that's the most that I could fucking hope for in anything that I create. And, and hopefully I can make something up to the standards as this did for me for others. So um, I do apologize for parts that I, I was rambling and, and might have even tried to bring up points that I never really finished. Um, and I do apologize about that uh, because I, I, I know there's a lot for me to say and I, I think there's also a part of me that likes just to keep it as a feeling so if it seems like I was bringing up something that ended up going nowhere I apologize but I can just tell you that this movie made me feel something and that's that's pretty incredible yeah. So, what do you uh, what do you think we should cover next? Um, I don't fucking know. Well, tune in next time on Insufferable Know It Alls, and for enjoy this experience. <laughs> I guess this is it. <laughs> yeah. Well, next time, folks. Yeah. All right, we're good. Outside the show, you can find Jason on Twitter and Instagram at insufferableknowitalls.
You can find Joey on Instagram and Twitch at kittycatfe. And you can find us and support us on patreon.com backslash IKIA.